Hey, welcome back to the Tree Church Bible Study. If you don't know who I am, my name is Michael. I'm a pastor here at the Tree. And today we're going to be in Mark chapter 11, verses 12 through 25. And as you turn to that passage, let's pray together. God, I pray right now that you would soften our hearts for the truth that you have. Let us not become calloused or hardened or treat reading your word just like another arbitrary due to fill our time or something we must do to appease an angry God. I pray that we wouldn't think that way, that we would think holistically in a sense that when we read your word, when we study it, when we get deeper into it, that we get to be closer to the God, to the creator of everything who loves us in such a perfect way. I pray that you would convict our hearts of that this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. So again, this is Mark chapter 11, verse 12. Jesus curses the fig tree. On the following day, when they had come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. So at face value, when you read this, it's easy to assume that Jesus was operating um, out of frustration. That he was just hangry. If you don't know what hangry means, it means you're so hungry that you are now angry. Um, I am known as someone who communicates in absolutes. If you have any meaningful relationship with me or have ever heard me teach or honestly probably talk for more than 10 minutes, you've probably heard me say things like, oh, that was the best ever or the worst ever or the greatest ever. That was such a tragedy. I'm a person who speaks in extremes and absolutes. And when I'm hungry, this is only intensified. I find myself getting more angry, more frustrated, uh, more upset. I'm more emotional. And so when we see Jesus say this, my first reaction is like, oh yeah, he, he walked up to this tree to eat off of it. There's nothing there. And literally from a place of emotion and frustration, he went on to curse it. But what we're actually seeing isn't the case, isn't a case of the munchies gone bad. This is Jesus bracketing his tension with the temple with this fig tree miracle. So let's jump into verse 15. Keeping that context in mind, we're going to pivot to something else that Jesus would do. They came to Jerusalem and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, it is not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all. Is it not written that my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it into a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it, and they were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him, because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. When the evening came, they went out of the city. So just like the fig tree that Jesus happened upon, this temple doesn't produce. It was barren of fruit. It was barren of fruit. It had nothing worth of value. The only thing that it actually had, in some ways even worse than the fig tree, It's not even like it was completely empty. What it was actually uh, producing was something toxic and hurtful to God's people. And you see Jesus' frustration point. That's something that was supposed to produce and help and grow and create fruit that would edify his creation. We see this immense point of frustration where he walks in the temple and he starts to flip things over and he yells and and he's angry and he's upset because he's he's angry at at the lack of fruit that, that, that his people are being robbed of. And I, and I don't know that I've ever felt such a righteous anger like that, but I can tell you exactly what it feels like to be angry at someone else's productivity. Whether a really simple example would be driving. Driving on the highway, someone's not driving the right way. They're going too slow in the passing lane. 
Um, they're driving it the whole time because they think they're special. It's just for them, right? Yeah, you, you, you might be someone at work and you see someone who's doing something in an incompetent way and it's frustrating and it makes you angry. Imagine the emotional intensity of it not being as trivial as driving or a project at work, but actually seeing someone's lack of fruit in what they're doing impacting your very creation, the thing that you love most. Jesus was heartbroken and angry that his church was dead. So let's just go to verse 20. This is the lesson from the withered fig tree. So this is, again, the, the, the back end of the bracket. As they passed in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed is withered. And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God truly, I say to you. Whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes in what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And whatever you stand praying, forgive, and if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also, who is in heaven, may forgive you of your trespasses. So when you read that passage, the, the first thing you can pull from it is, is almost a, an incorrect image of how God operates. You can read that and think of maybe that God is like the genie from Aladdin. I, I apologize for that very silly reference, but I have kids and most of my life is watching kids' movies. Nobody tells you that when you're about to have kids. So if you don't have them, just be aware that your future is nonstop kids' movies all the time. But it implies that God is like the genie from Aladdin. And if you pray and if you believe that he'll do whatever you say, which is incredible. That sounds like the greatest superpower of all time. But what we're seeing Jesus say isn't actually treating God like a genie who will do whatever you want. He's talking about having faith that God will do the things that he's promised to do. And, not, and it doesn't stop there. Jesus continues and talks about the greatest thing that he has yet to do. And he foreshadows it. He says, and whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your Father who also is in heaven may forgive you of your trespasses. That forgiveness of your trespasses is perhaps the greatest miracle that God has ever done for his creation. The fact that we are broken and hurting and sinful and he sent his son Jesus who would soon be crucified on a cross that he'd be dead for three days and resurrected so that we would have an opportunity to be forgiven eternally for our trespasses. And for that faith, for that powerful truth, we should pray big prayers knowing that God is always faithful to the things that he's promised to do. That even a dead temple could be resurrected by the power of praying so whenever you stand, let me encourage you, church. Whenever you stand praying and you're petitioning God, pray big, pray big prayers. Pray for the things that he has promised you to come to fruition. But do so in spirit and in truth. Ask God to expose to you the brokenness in your heart and the way that you have trespassed against others or sinned against those around you. Ask for God for forgiveness. Forgive the people who have hurt you so he can do that for you. Because it's all too easy to think of Jesus or God as this miracle-making machine who is just at our beck and call to do whatever we want. But the more important, more challenging part is to submit to the call that he would have for us in our life. Let's pray. God, I pray that this would hit us deeply and profoundly, that you are not a magic genie to do whatever we ask, that we should pray big, powerful prayers, that we should ask for great things and expect you to do them. But at the same time, we want to pray for our pray that you would forgive us, that you would continue to show us the grace that we haven't deserved. You would convict us of the brokenness in our own heart. And when we do these things, we can trust that you 
will be faithful because you've always been faithful and you always will be faithful. In your name we pray. Amen.